I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And I really do feel that this morning because um, there's, an, there's an opportunity this morning to get together with the brothers and sisters in Christ in a way that is meaningful. You know, why, why should I not want to get together to worship with my brothers and sisters? Why should I not want to hear what Jesus did on the cross for each and every one of us? It, it's just a, it's a joyful and a great experience. Um, this week when I was preparing for my message, my mind was going um, a lot of different directions. And I chose a topic that after I started really digging into it, that um, I started thinking, I think I kind of bit off more than I can chew. And so... If any of you are taking notes, you might want to pull out pens and, and paper and because I'm going to be going very quickly. I'm not going to be reading all the, the um, references that, that talks about it. And, and I'm going to be talking on one of the characteristics today that applies to each and every one of us as Christians today. And it's probably talked about in the Bible more than any other characteristic other than love. And this is humility. This isn't, this isn't a topic I want to talk about. Because after all, oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. It's a song that's not found in the Christian hymnary. But it's, and it's not, it's, it's real. It is hard to be humble. And it's not because we're perfect in every way. But somehow we get this, we get this feeling sometimes that... Because we have conquered this part of our life more than another part of our life than that the other person has. Marvin, I'm talking to you. <laughs> I have conquered this section of my life better than Marvin has. Therefore, it makes me a better person. It does not. The Lord wants each and every one of us to be humble. To, to love our fellow man. To walk humbly with thy God, with my God. Let's make it personal, with my God. The text that I have chosen to read out of, and there was so many texts when I was looking, it's like, <clears throat> which one do I want to read? And there was, there was three of them that I was like, I really want to read this one. No, I think I should read this one. And so I chose to start with uh, Numbers chapter 12. It's a, it's a story and it actually doesn't use humility in there, but I do think that, and also when I'm reading the commentaries, it also took it in a couple of different directions um, that, that possibly um, Moses wasn't the meekest man in the world, but he was the most persecuted and, and long-suffering man that ever, that ever walked the earth. Either way, I do think that when, when we read about Moses here in this account, I think that we see a type of Christ that I would like to see each and every one of us practice some more of. A little more of, a little less of ourselves and a little more of God. Chapter 12 in Numbers is said, And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses. I'm only going to be reading down to uh, verse 11. And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoke, spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. And I think these are words that are kind of key here. When we're thinking these thoughts, and the Lord heard it. 
Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. And the Lord spake, let's, let's just take this back just a little bit too. Who wrote, who wrote Numbers? Moses wrote Numbers. And he said he was the meekest man. And that's why that I'm kind of okay with the idea of possibly he was being the most persecuted man. He was the most long-suffering man. Or he felt like, um, I guess I'm, I'm kind of okay with that. But I also do believe that he was probably the meekest man in the world. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and said unto Aaron and unto Miriam, Come out ye three unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And they three came out. And the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth. And he said, Hear now my words, if there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so, who is, is, not so, who is faithful in all mine house. With him will I speak, mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches, and the similitude of the Lord shall, be, shall he behold, wherefore there were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow, and Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not, thy, lay not the sin upon us, wherein we have done foolishly, and wherein we have sinned. And this is, this is um, the thing that I would like to bring out. Here we see a type of Christ. We see, we see Moses. You know, you would have thought that after, after somebody that's close to me, somebody that, that I trust and have probably shared more responsibilities with than any other people or with any other group of people, with my own brother and my own sister, my own flesh and blood, and here they come, and they're, they're, they're bringing accusations against me that are completely unfair. And here, God calls them out. How did Moses respond? Did he say, you know, Aaron and Miriam, if you want to feel that way, you can just go ahead. I'm going to excommunicate you from camp. Go your merry way. Um, but you take with whoever you can convince to take with you, but I ain't going to put up with this. That's not what Moses said. He allowed God to, to, to reckon the way that he felt like was the right way. And I, I appreciate that because it is so easy. Sometimes we come, somebody comes up to us and he says something unkind, unfair. My first reaction is like, you really don't know what you're talking about. You don't know the circumstances that led up to this situation. And I think if you would, you would see it completely different. And I'd get really angry with a person like that. That's my inclination. That's my first inclination. But I don't think that's what God called us to do. I think sometimes it's okay. True humility comes forth and we can back down and we can say, well, I'm sorry that you feel that way. Um, and you know, if it's a brother or sister that made that comment, it's okay to, after that initial righteous wrath, right, righteous indignation calms down, that we can go back to him and, uh, and say, you know, I know that you meant this in a kind way, 
But I don't think that you understood all the circumstances that went into this and why, why um, things happened the way that they did. And um, I would like to pause just a moment and say, you know, what, what is humility anyway? What is humility? Nobody knows what humility is. I like that. Anyone else have any? That's exactly right. Both of you. It's the opposite of pride. And I don't know what is about, and am I, am I the only one that struggles with pride? Am I the only one that struggles with the lack of humility? Because I think that that is something that is so inborn into each one of us that, that for some reason we're okay with holding ourselves up. When we hold ourselves up, what happens? We put the other person down, right? And that's not Christ. It really isn't. I looked into my good old Webster dictionary and I was going to find what humility means. It says, immodest or low view of one's importance. Now that didn't go down with me well. well I, didn't, I didn't like Webster's description. I had to go for a, a different place. And it said, freedom from pride or arrogance. And I like that a whole lot better. Because it is, it is something that that's, um, we, we always like, or I do, I always like holding myself up. And when, when I hold myself up, that means I'm tearing someone else down. Um, Moses learned, you know, we think of Moses as always being a humble person. Or some of us do. But I don't think that, that was the way that it was. I think when we read about it, when Moses was about 40 years old, he had this revelation that he wants to, he wants to make things better for the children of Israel. And so he went ahead and he, he took, a man's, took a man out on a bad day and kind of buried him in the sand and, and he had to flee for his life and, and to the desert. And he took the lowly job of being shepherd. And I'm thinking more and more as I read through the Bible where, where most of the good men that came out of the Bible were shepherds. Possibly that's something that I think I'm called to do is be a sheep herd. Um, because, because it seemed like those people that came out of there came out refined as pure gold. And during that time, and I think that, that, that pride and humility and all of those things can't be conquered without having some of those life experiences. I think sometimes probably some of, some of the most memorable experiences or the most life-changing experiences that we have have also been the most humbling experiences. And I think that's where God wants us. He wants us to dedicate my life at the foot of the cross. And, and I see Christ as being probably the, well, not probably, he is the best example. Um, you know, we see Moses as being a type of Christ. We really do. And yet, despite all of that, he did not make it into the promised land. 
I think he made it into heaven. I'm, I'm feel very confident about that. But he didn't make it into the land of Jordan because he was a sinner. He lifted himself up when he was supposed to, when he was supposed to be obedient. I think that's one of the attributes that being a humble man or a humble woman is, is to be obedient to what God has called us to do. And he failed. And because of that, he didn't have the opportunity of going into the promised land. That's, that's sobering when you think about that. <clears throat> Yet we have, we have an opportunity to see a perfect example it's a, a man of a man of God, a child of God, that died on the cross for us. And then there's another point that I would still like to bring out here in in Numbers 12. So when when Miriam and Aaron got struck with leprosy, you know, after they got done railing against Moses, they got struck with leprosy. And Moses said, ha! I guess you got what you deserved. Is that what Moses said? No. He prayed for them. He prayed that their leprosy could go away from them. And that's just a beautiful picture again of despite what people do to us, what people say to us, what people, you know, all the unkind things that we can imagine, Yet I can look at that individual and I can say, I forgive you. I want to see you in heaven someday. Please forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And I think that's a, that's a wonderful example. And, and Moses um, showed it, I think. And we're going to flip uh, to Philippians 2 very quickly. And I'm going to... Um, read a few verses in there. Philippians 2, um, verses 1 to 11. <clears throat> and here again, we're looking at a type. I mean, before we had looked at a type of Jesus, and here we're looking at Jesus himself. It says, if there be any, if therefore, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy, Fulfill ye my joys that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but lowliness of mind let each esteem better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of his servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and hath given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." Here we see the perfect example. So Christ showed the perfect example in every way. First of all, he came down. You know, when we think of heaven, we think of this, this super, I mean, if we think of the most beautiful place here on the earth, 
I think when we start thinking about heaven, it's going to be the most beautiful place on earth can't compare to heaven. And, and then I start also kind of wondering, why do I work so hard to stay out of heaven? Why do I work so hard to re regain and retain my health? But I think God has put that desire in each one of our lives. But, but, but Christ was in this place, and he humbled himself and came down. Not only humbled himself and came down, but he didn't come as the president of the United States or, the, or the, some sort of a rich czar in, in, um, in Russia or anything like that. He came as a baby. Where was he born? He was born in a humble stable to rich people. Uh, no, it wasn't rich people. Poor people with no good re reputation. And then, to top it all off, he was, he was obedient as a child. He grew up like a normal child, I think. He was obedient. And I was thinking about that when, when Shanna was, was talking this morning. He waited on that service that God wanted him for the perfect timing that God wanted him. You know, you could have said, well, I'm 21 years old. I'm a man. I might as well start this service up. I mean, what's the point of waiting and putting it off? Let's get on with the show. No, he was patient. He waited on God's timing. He performed miracles. And then that's when the, the tough thing started. He hung out with, with the popular crowd, the fast crowd, the people that were kind of seen as as rich and famous people right no he hung out with a very needy crowd of a crowd that was not popular at all did he do it because that's like uh yeah i i want to be in the same situation as i do i mean as them i'd like to be with the hookers, I'd like to be with the tax collectors, the wealthy people. I mean, they, they know how to cut some fast deals, and I'd like to learn from them. No, he didn't do that because that he wanted to join them. He wanted to teach them a better way. He said that I didn't come in this world to be a doctor to the ones that are completely healthy. I came to be a doctor to the ones that needed me. And that that's, uh, was his desire. And then what happened? And he was, he was tortured. He hung on the tree, on the, on, the, on the cross. He hung up there and he was shamefully used, mistreated. He humbled himself. And despite all of this, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I mean, he was in pain. He had been suffering for all of, all of these, um, you know, hours. And yet he was able to look out there and say, Shane, I love you so much that I would like to see you in heaven someday. Father, forgive them. He said, Nolan, I love you so much that I want to see you in heaven someday. And, and can I truthfully, can I look over this audience, can I truthfully say to each and every one of you, I love you so much that despite what you do to me, if you mistreat me or do anything else, I want to forgive you. I want to see you in heaven someday. I, I, just, I just love that thought that despite all of those things, Jesus was willing. 
You know, it wasn't because that he was lacking in power. Jesus could have called 10,000 angels. He could have won any kind of verbal debate that, that existed. But he chose to get cruelly and despitefully used for my, for my sins, for my sake, and for your sake. <clears throat> so how do I get humility? Practice makes perfect, doesn't it? But I do think that when I read through the Bible, Keith was discussing that this morning in, in Sunday school, reading through it every time he was just amazed. Marvin uh, talked about it this morning and reading through Psalms that, um, you know, the thought hit him in a way that hadn't hit him before. I think all of us can read immersing ourselves in God's word, trying to see who God is and how we can relate to him. I think that's the way that we're going to be to get humility. The experiences in our lives will teach us, well, that was an inappropriate way to deal with my brother or my sister. You know, I need to go back and apologize to him or her. Or, yes, I watched my brother or my sister walk alongside this other person and I watched Jesus in his life or her life. And then I learned from that. And I think that's what, that's what probably the best way that we're going to learn from these. Um, I, I have a note here from, I don't even know who had said it, but how I respond to adversity, how I view the gifts God gives me, my abilities and even my weaknesses and limitations show the level of humility in my life. <clears throat> So what, is, what does humility look like? I'm going to be going very quickly. It's teachable. Proverbs 15.33 has got a reference there. It's brokenness. It's, it's hard for us to think about that, but brokenness. A seed needs to rot and to die before it can bring forth fruit. And that's the way that my life needs to look. My old is past and there's a new came into my life. And so... It needs, that old needs to die and go away. It needs to be authentic. It doesn't need, it, we can't have something, we can't be having just the, well, you know, I wear the right clothes, I wear, I drive a shabby, beat up old pickup, so therefore, <laughs> you guys all drive your nice fa fancy rigs, and I drive my fancy old, I mean, my beat up old truck, and so therefore I'm humble. No, it needs to be authentic. This is a true story. Um, a friend of mine was riding with his friend in a horse and buggy in um, Pennsylvania. And he had a team of, of saddlebreds and any of you that are um, acquainted with horses at all, which I'm sure that all of you are, um, know that a saddlebred's got his head up and he prances when he runs and his tail's straight out the back. You know, he's, he's really nice. He had a team of those hooked up to his buggy and he was going down the road and my friend was riding with him and they were visiting and, and there was a lull in the conversation and at some point in time he said, did you notice my team of horses? And he said, yes I did. And he said, you know there's a lot of people that would struggle with pride driving a team like this but I don't deal with it at all. <laughs> maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Is it authentic? That's, that's just a, that's a question that I've got. True humility doesn't need to pretend. 
faith. True humility has faith. Being very aware of who I am and who God is. True humility is grateful. We're realizing that we're way blessed beyond what we deserve. True humility forgives. I forgive my brothers knowing that I want the best for him or her in my life. True humility isn't judgmental. I think that we want to, if we're, if we're, not, um, if we're not humble, we're going to say, well, we're going to look around and we're going to say, you know, I really see a beam in your eye that needs to be addressed. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't hold each other accountable. I'm saying that we should be careful with our judging. The opposite of, of humility, we're going to end up in a sour note, which I don't really like doing, but I see the time is coming to an end. Our clo- it needs to, we need to close. There's pride, thinking I'm better than others. Abraham Lincoln made that quote. He says, uh, most men can handle adversity, but if you really want to test a man's character, give him power. The way that he relates to that is the way that you're going to be able to see humility. True humility comes. Moses was a leader of, of thousands of people in a way that most of us will probably never lead. I hope for sure that I don't need to, but um, he was a humble man. Stubbornness and rebellion. 1 Samuel 15, 22, 33, we read about that. Um, Saul just couldn't wait on Samuel to make those sacrifices. He thought that, sure, I mean, Samuel's not here, so I've got to make those sacrifices for him. God made it fairly clear to him that he's not interested in sacrifices. He's, he's looking at my heart. He wants me. He wants, a, he wants a broken and a contrite heart. Unwilling to receive correction, and I get all defensive. In Proverbs 1, 29 and 33, to, um, 1, 29 to 33, it talks about that in Proverbs 29, 1. Be not argumentative and contentious. Jesus could have won, like I said, any verbal argument that he would have wanted to, but he didn't. He was a humble individual. And then his lack of seeking after God. In Psalms 10, 4, we read about that. And we um, understand that I don't have that desire to seek after God. And when I don't have that desire to seek after God, guess what happens? I go into a tailspin. I go into, into seeking my own earthly lust. A humble person, I mean, a prideful person does a lot of bragging, lifts himself up. A prideful person likes living a lavish lifestyle. Um, I read on the news recently, this man in France spent $300,000 on a swimming pool um, to get it set up with the decor that he wanted. It was lovely. It was beautiful. Is that what God wants for me? Talking more than listening, that's what I'm doing today. Um, my, my challenge to you in the upcoming week, the upcoming years, is my life a life of humility? I want to be held accountable. Do I strive to show Jesus to my friends? Or is my life a life of self? A life of, of living to see what I can get out of life. 
I would just like for each and every one of us to ask those questions to ourselves, and that's my challenge, is to be the humble person, the person that really truly cares for each one of my brothers and sisters, not just each one of my brothers and sisters here in the church today, but to every one of the people that we meet out on the streets, that we can be that Jesus, that little bit of Jesus, that we can show them a glimpse of, the, of Jesus in our lives.